Stay tuned for the Portland Five podcast, an exploration of Portland's theater community through the lens of its five iconic downtown venues. Art matters. Art brings joy, inspires the mind, and unites communities. Art changes lives. Did you know that a student involved in the arts is four times more likely to be recognized for academic achievement? Or that the vast majority of business leaders say creativity is the number one skill they're seeking when hiring? Still, most public school teachers, among others, believe the arts are poorly funded. Fortunately, in Portland, arts education gets a big boost from Portland Five. Welcome to the Portland Five podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Webb, co-founder of Portland Radio Project. Glad to have you with us. Why are we hearing Tchaikovsky's Pack, the Russian dance, one with a slight twist? It's all for education, the education program at the five iconic downtown theaters run by Portland Five. Hip Hop Nutcracker is a part of their education program this season, and Randy Freitas is the choreographer. Thanks for joining us, Randy. You're joining us from Dallas, Texas? I am, yes. Is it a little warm? It's incredibly warm. I'm trying <laughs> to stay inside as much as possible. Well, tell us about the Hip Hop Nutcracker. What is it? And how is it similar to or different from the classic ballet? Sure. Uh, the Hip Hop Nutcracker is a reimagined version of the original Nutcracker that everyone knows and loves. Um, it's similar to the ballet in the sense that we use the original score. It's all done to the classical music. Um, but in many ways, it differs in the sense that we've redone it to be a modern day story. Um, you'll see all your favorite characters, as in the, the Rat King, Drosselmeyer, Maria Clara. But you see them now in modern day New York. And you see Maria Clara in a more... Uh, realistic and current setting with uh, both her parents being involved and kind of entering this dreamland and then coming back to real-time New York. Cool. Yeah. Now, you've taught this uh, hip-hop masterclass for two years when you've come to Portland with the show, and these are in public schools, right? Yes, absolutely. Why do you think it's important to take these classes into schools? I think Saving the arts in schools is a major battle that we're coming across lately um, with budget cuts, with different scenarios happening. We see a lot of the arts programs suffering and to see these kids get to get up, express themselves, express their individuality through hip hop, um, laugh, dance with each other. It's really like a beautiful thing to watch that you don't always get in, um, you know, your everyday classes. Yeah, everyday classes in school, for sure. I bet it makes the school yeah. a lot more fun. How, yeah. <laughs> how did the students react? How do they like it? Oh, they love it. You can see they're a little shy, a little timid at first. Um, you know, it takes everyone a second to want to get out there and dance in front of people. But by the end, they're laughing, they're cheering each other on, they're trying new things. Um, they respond really, really well to the program. Are there some favorite moments with the students that you could tell us about? One of my favorite moments was uh, when I was teaching, we were doing some across the floors and it took them maybe three or four tries to be a little more adventurous and, and outgoing with it. But 
by the fourth try, the way that they were cheering each other on, it was really beautiful to see, you know. Um, we do a lot of things that are very individual in school, individual homework projects, things like that. And so to see them come together and, and laugh and cheer for one another, even regardless of whether they were maybe friends outside of this class or not, it was really, really cool to watch. Sounds good. So the show also has had daytime performances in the Portland Five Theaters here in Portland. And I'm just wondering if you could talk about the importance of uh, families and kids getting out to actually come to the theater. Absolutely. Um, I think we bring a really unique experience to the theater world. There's not a lot of hip-hop shows, especially throughout the U.S., and we're really portraying a varied cast. So we have all sorts of different roles for um, different backgrounds, ethnicities, genders. We even, you know, have a lot of leads that are people that you don't normally see on a stage or in this type of setting, in a theater setting. And I think it's really important to have these children see many options and many versions and be able to envision themselves up on stage one day or in these other roles that don't usually get portrayed in that way. Right. It could be very inspiring. Absolutely. So what about adults and families? What can they learn from the show and the experience? As our beloved MC Curtis Blows says, uh, love conquers all. I think that's the ending message with this is that we really are showing this family that's going through some troubled times and showing how love can really overcome hardships and bring everybody together. And I think that's important no matter your age to see that at the end of the day, it's really about love and unity and taking care of one another. Love that. Well, the Hip Hop Nutcracker also has two evening performances on November 12th and 13th at the Keller. The date for those tickets uh, to go on sale yet is yet to be announced, but we will add it to the blog post for this episode. Excellent. Yeah, just as soon as we know when it is. It sounds like it'll put a spark in your holidays, doesn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> Randy Freitas, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thank you for having me. Can't wait to see you guys in a couple months. In person. Yes. Thank you again. Mm -hmm. Support comes from Portland Five, which provides its five iconic downtown theaters to local and national arts, music, dance, and education performances. For more, visit portlandfive.com. There's so much out there. And there's so much that we don't know about. There's no point in me taking pictures if I'm not going to share it. That's the only reason to take pictures, to film, is to share it with as many people as possible so that they get to feel some sort of connection to it. That was wildlife photographer, cinematographer, and conservationist Shannon Wild. She's worked all over the world for clients like National Geographic, Wild Aid, and the UN. She's also an ambassador for various conservation organizations and the founder of Wild in Africa Jewelry, which helps raise money for conservation. And she's coming to Portland as part of Portland Five's National Geographic Live Series, another part of the Portland Five education program. Right now, she's joining us from rural South Africa. Is that right, Shannon? 
That's correct. This is technically my home base now. I am originally from Australia, uh, but based in Africa. Fantastic. Whereabouts are you? So right now I'm in the north uh, east, which is right on the edge of Kruger National Park. So a very nice uh, bush uh, kind of wild area, which uh, makes sense because that's the reason I'm here, to be close to the wildlife. And you were lucky enough to get close to the wildlife in India recently as part of a National Geographic documentary. This was The Pursuit of a Black Panther. So that was actually in a, a really interesting and dense jungle very challenging conditions in the southwest of India. And basically myself and the rest of the team spent 18 months going out every day looking for this one individual, very elusive cat, just in this one region of India. So even though I spent 18 months there, I haven't seen any of the rest of India. So I still need to go back and be a tourist. (laughs) Um, I literally just spent the whole time in this one national park, and drove around every single day um, from dawn till dusk looking for this one cat. Wow, what a journey. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, about the journey and what inspired you, first of all, to take on, you know, such a challenge. Well, uh, this particular project, as challenging as it was, was actually uh, myself and my husband's idea. So we can't blame anybody else. Um, (laughs) My husband's also a wildlife cinematographer, And we actually came across pictures of this uh, incredibly beautiful rare cat on Instagram. And we we said we have to film this animal. I mean, uh, a a black panther, and in this case, a melanistic leopard, has never been filmed professionally in the wild before. We have to get onto this immediately. So we quickly put together a pitch for National Geographic, uh, who we'd worked with before, And uh, yeah, they were just as excited as we were. So uh, before we knew it, we were in India uh, looking for it. (laughs) So yeah, it was quite whirlwind. Yeah, I mean, it is a little bit confusing because we're calling it a Black Panther, but it's really a leopard? It is. So the the term Black Panther is actually a blanket term that we use to call uh, a melanistic big cat. So in this particular case, it's a melanistic leopard. So he's still a leopard species. And actually, when the sunlight hits his coat just right, and I'll have pictures of this in my event, you can still see his leopard spots. But if he's in the shade, he just looks like a solid black cat and he just has these piercing eyes. So the most incredibly beautiful animal I've ever seen so far. A real privilege that we we did actually see him enough to make an actual documentary out of it because he he really gave us a run for our money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said it was very difficult. Yeah. What uh, made it so hard? Oh, there was uh, quite a few elements, and uh, the first one that comes to mind is the jungle itself. And I mean, that's a whole character in itself. It's so dense and thick. So you know, sightings in itself are are difficult. So we're trying to track this animal who we're still trying to learn the behavior of and work out where it's going. And we only have access to certain roads and certain sections of a much greater park. And so each day we go out looking for this cat and anticipate where he might be from the last time we saw him. But we only see him if he chooses to let us see him. And that means walking out of a dense forest, you know, into an opening that we actually have a visual of, 
or he happens to be up a tree in you know an eye line distance so it was it was very very tough um and then you've got uh, weather extremes as well i mean we're working in quite uh hot and very humid conditions but then because we were there for so long we had a full season change and we're dealing with freezing mornings so you don't really think of that when you think of india but um there were mornings there where i was going out in i in full arctic gear i mean i i work in the arctic as well and i had all of my layers on and then by about 10am i'm back down to a singlet so it was really uh that was a challenge in itself, let alone the fact that we're trying to find one of the rarest animals in the world. And he's the only one in this massive area that measured uh, roughly 600 square kilometers. So I don't know what that is in miles for uh, your US listeners, but I can say that it's roughly the size of Texas. So that's wow. going to give you an idea. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not sure, but so, yeah. I think it's about 200 miles. Yeah. But at any rate, let's talk about them. Can you take us to the moment where you did see him? So I, my very first drive out, very fortunate, I just saw a flash of black tail and that was it. He disappeared into the forest. And from memory, I think it was a few weeks after that before I saw him actually in full again um so yeah i was i was kind of lucky i was teased on my first day uh and then had to really work out for it after that you so, could you yeah. could never let it go after that right no <laughs> i was fully committed can you talk about your relationship with the animals uh, that you have photographed what is it that you well, do to get close to them well, I mean, it, it varies depending on species. Um, I actually got my start with wildlife uh, photography initially, and then uh, that graduated into filming um, through reptiles because I'm a huge reptile fan. And I don't know if that's an Australian thing or or what, but it's always been there. And um, so that kind of got my start. And it was the animals themselves that uh, first fascinated me. And then the photography came later. So the learning of animal behavior was really something that fascinated and interested me. So all my life, I mean, from a, a very young age, I was just absorbing, you know, David Attenborough documentaries and anything about wildlife and animals that I could get. And so over the years, you tend to learn about picking up on animal signals and uh, learning boundaries. So every animal is different. So even within the one species, you have different characters of animals and their limitations are all different. So it can take time to learn those. And that can only be done with practice and experience in the field. Indeed. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us, Shannon. And please thank your husband for us as well, because we understand that <laughs> in order to be in a quiet place, you had to kind of throw him out of the bedroom for a few minutes on the phone from rural location in South it's, Africa. It's no problem. I think he's loved it as an excuse to stay up later and have an extra beer. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, cheers to him then. Well, yeah. And we wish you great luck on many adventures to come. Thank you. We are so looking forward to you coming to Portland and sharing it in person. Thank you so much. I, I can't wait. I'm literally counting down. So uh, it'll, it'll be here before we know it. Fantastic. Okay. Thanks again, Shannon. My pleasure. Thank you for your time. 
Shannon's appearance here in Portland is with the National Geographic Live series. It will be coming up January 27th at 7.30, and uh, we'll have all the details on our website, prp.fm. You can also get details on Portland 5. We'll be right back. Support comes from Portland Five, which provides its five iconic downtown theaters to local and national arts, music, dance, and education performances. For more, visit portlandfive.com. Welcome back. In the studio right now with us, we have Imani Burris, who is the Education and Community Engagement Coordinator at Portland Five. Welcome, Imani. Hi. Hi, and thank you for your patience. Yes, no problem. (laughs) We made you wait a little bit today. Sorry about that. There are quite a, a few opportunities at Portland Five in the realm of education. What is the goal of that program? Um, So our goal is to change the world through the arts, and we do that by intentionally reducing uh, barriers for people who normally wouldn't have access uh, to our theaters and to the experience at our theaters. Great. So you're bringing in populations from Title I schools who are not always able to go to the theater, and uh, some of the programs actually go out to the schools as well, right? Yes, correct. It's Title I schools and also schools that are 40% or more for your reduced lunch. Great. And why do you think that's important? Um, I think it's important because those schools are also the schools whose funding for arts is being cut. Um, so to give them that exposure to the arts is really, really important to me. It's a whole nother means that students don't get. And I think Arts is very important when it comes to students expressing themselves and um, just really being able to see that there's more out there. That's the job of the arts, isn't it? (laughs) Yes. Tell us about your background. What inspired you to want to be part of educating children about arts? Well, as far as educating children, um, I've loved to work with children. And I'm pretty artistic myself. So when I figured out that there was a position um, that had to do with arts in a theatrical form. Um, I've never worked in that form. So I thought, you know, I I wanted to experience that. And then I also get to work with kids and help uplift and empower them as well and um, give them an opportunity to just see what else is out there and see the things that they can do. So I it's that was exciting. amazing. Yeah. yeah, it is exciting. What can you tell us about the students age wise and, you know, their level of interest in what you're bringing to them? Um, so we work with students from K through 12, uh, depending on this, the show is going to depend on what students are in for that day. Uh, but to see, especially the younger kids when they walk into the schnitz and they look around and they're like, they're in awe, like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. This is so amazing. And just to see their faces and then for certain shows, just how excited they are, how ready. It's cute because even uh, some students, they'll come in suits or the little girls will have like little ball gowns. So they'll get dressed up for these 
uh, matinees. And it's it's just so heartwarming. Like, it's it's amazing. Yeah, it sounds wonderful. What about you? Did you have experiences like that as a student in school that inspired you? Um, I did have experiences that inspired me as far as like the, the I've never really seen a theater show until I started working here. Um, so as far as like that, I didn't. And I'll bet that's true of many of the children that you're talking about. Some of them haven't even been to the theater before. Yes, for a lot of them. I don't think they have. Um, I think a lot of them, it's their first time ever stepping into one of our theaters or even, you know, seeing the outside of it, like being near our theaters, it's their first time. Is there a favorite performance or experience that you've had? Yes, my favorite, ironically, my favorite experience was Hip Hop Nutcracker. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, that theater was, it was amazing. Every single person in that theater was standing up the whole entire time. The energy was so loud. You could just feel the energy in the room like you couldn't stop smiling. It was impossible to not smile in that room. Um, and that was the performance that we did have K through 12. So we had a mixture of students and everyone enjoyed it. Like everyone walked out and and just super excited, super happy. And then we were also able to uh, do a luncheon, a panel luncheon with um some of the students and some of the choreographers and dancers and stuff from the performance. So that experience was also amazing, too, because we really got to dive deep into, like, you know, the story that they were really trying to tell. Um, so it, it was amazing. Well, after that review, I'm really going to mark my calendar for Hip Hop Nutcracker this yes, year. You have to, you <laughs> have to make sure. sure you go see that. Sounds good. Well, Imani Burris, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, what you do with the education outreach at Portland Five, and I'm sure that it's inspired many students. And we're going to hear from one of them right yes. after this. <laughs> Thank you. Support comes from Portland Five, which provides its five iconic downtown theaters to local and national arts, music, dance, and education performances. For more, visit portlandfive.com. We're back with the Portland Five podcast and here with Zaria Williams, student at Central Washington University studying music education and is currently interning at Portland Five. Hi, Zaria. Hello. Thank you for being here. You actually attended. I saw you nodding when Imani was talking about the hip hop nutcracker. You have you've been there. You've seen it. I've seen many shows at Portland Five. And yes, that was one of them. It was fantastic. It was just the energy was amazing at the show. And Black Violin, the music that we were just hearing, um, what was that like? Oh, wow. So I actually got to do the luncheon post-performance and meeting the people, the artists was just amazing. After seeing them and hearing them and hearing their stories and just they were classically trained and they made it their own, it was just amazing to witness. Awesome. Did that influence you to study music or continue studying music? 
It definitely pushed me to keep pursuing what I was doing because it showed that there could be success as people tell you, oh, you're in music. Oh, you're not going to make much money. Da, 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 da. And it just showed me that if I really want something and I work hard at it, I can't accomplish anything. So tell us about your internship, because part of that journey of making a career in uh, music education, I think that sounds like it could be important. Oh, yeah. This has been a wonderful experience. I've been out in the community sharing with different families and children about the arts program, specifically at Portland Five, getting them involved and coming to see the shows and just learning about... um, the operations behind a performance. I recently had a tour of the facilities and it was amazing meeting the backstage crew and all the things that it takes to put on a performance. So your job is to go out into the community and educate them about the education program at Portland Five? Well, not necessarily educate, but just let them know what is available to them through Portland Five and that we want them to come to our shows and we want a bigger audience, a more diverse audience and telling them that we are there for them. Great. Why is that important, do you think? I believe it's important because arts are just needed for everyone. It's a form of expression and it's like an escape from reality sometimes because I know that life can be hard and it's just a way for you to turn off your phone engage in something different, not have to think about anything, not have to worry about what's going on, what's happening in the day-to-day, and just be entertained. Good old-fashioned escapism. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's wonderful. And congratulations on your internship. Thank you. And it's good work that you do. We appreciate you being here and sharing your story with us. Of course. As you may know, Portland Five's arts education program removes barriers, as Zaria was just uh, talking about, provides access to a diverse selection of world-class lectures and performances for more than 12,000 students and teachers from Title I schools. We've heard today about that important work. You're invited to show your support by visiting portland5.com and learning more about those programs and make a contribution if you can. We have a blog post on our website, prp.fm, with more detail and also a direct link to each of the upcoming events that were mentioned in this episode. I'm Rebecca Webb. Thank you for joining us for episode two of the Portland Five podcast. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 